As we continue in worship this morning, I'm excited to introduce to you a guest of ours, a friend of mine. Uh, as a little context, I want to remind you that the gospel of Jesus Christ frees us as God's people to face the most difficult questions and situations in life. Christians have to learn what it means to live faithfully as God's people at the most contested parts of our culture. We come and we worship with a purpose. Our desire is not just to be inspired and to live normally, but to humble ourselves before God and to let his gospel change us, to transform us so we can live more faithfully for him and more fruitfully for him. Last week, I was in the traditional service and Bob was in here, but we looked at Hebrews chapter 3, 1 to 6. We talked about the impotence, the lack of power that our moralism has, that when we try to self-justify ourselves before God through our own moral performance, that is uh, seeking to use the law of Moses as a way to climb to God, or we try to grab the heritage of our faith and say, well, I'm a Christian because my family's Christian or my grandparents were Christian or whatever, uh, that that is a complete illusion of strength that we can't really have a concrete confidence in the gospel, a secure hope, a steadfast hope, unless we have a living relationship with Jesus Christ. We don't follow religion, but we have a concrete confidence from a relationship with Jesus. This is why the passage last week began with calling us holy brothers and sisters who have a heavenly calling. We have a primary identity in Christ and a primary family. And so we must engage some contentious issues in our culture with extreme confidence. Not least of which is the discussion of race, equality, and inequity in our culture. Here's the truth. The gospel frees us uh, to live with a new and forged family with the love of our Heavenly Father. And that family is as diverse as every tribe, every tongue, and every nation of the world. This is the consistent teaching of Scripture from the fountainhead of our faith in Abraham, chapter 12, all the way through the revelation of John uh, in the new heavens and the new earth. And this morning, I'm excited to bring up a friend of mine, Gabrielle Leonard. Uh, I first met her through a city uh, prayer initiative called Pray SA. Uh, she has since uh, started an organization called Returning to Joy. And this is a ministry that is committed to unlocking the joy of relational and racial harmony. She's on the platform of the Wildfire Network, which is uh, simply stated, it's on fire for the kingdom. And we are glad to have her. She is a graduate of Baylor University. Don't hold that against her. Or, or celebrate that but wherever you are in that. Uh, but it's my joy to introduce Gabrielle to you. Gabrielle Leonard, will you come forward and will you all joyfully welcome her as she teaches on what it means to return to joy. Thank you for having me. Feels like I'm on. Cool. I am. I, um, man, I grow with increasing respect for your leadership here and even specifically Pastor Mitchell. 
Um, it is not often, uh, it, it is rare, right? It's not normal, it's not, a, it's not a part of the natural bend of our world to encourage people, even be a people who lean into learning from others that look differently from themselves, right? We, we trust the voices that look like, that come from mouths that look like our own, right? And we, we trust people that have experiences that are similar to our own. But it says a lot about your leadership, um, the role that they are playing in, in stretching us all and encouraging us all to see the fuller picture and to learn from others who look differently because in doing so, we grow increasingly aware of what Christ really looks like and the fullness of his radiance. And you seem to, to be a people to me who don't want to see just a partial glimpse of Christ's radiance, right? You want to see the fullness of his glory. You want to see the fullness of his goodness. Am I right? So I thank you for letting me, allowing and inviting me to speak here to you today. I'm excited about it. I'm excited about what God's going to teach us and what we're gonna, what's going to unfold from his word. It's always good. So I'm going to dive right into it. Are you ready? Okay. So on March 20th, no, I'm sorry, March 28th, 2020, I'm not sure if you're aware where you were on that day, but I'm very much so aware of where I was. It was a Thursday, and I was in a prayer room. And in that prayer room, I found myself on my knees, hunched over, begging the Lord to be present to me. See, three days prior to that date was the murder of a man named George Floyd, who was unjustly killed in the hands of a police officer. And his, his murder set off a shockwave of grief, of pain and agony that swept across the nation and for sure, especially in the black community. And that wasn't a pain that jumped over me. I wasn't immune to it. It was for that reason I'm finding myself in this prayer room and I'm, I'm at a loss for words like in those moments, if you've ever felt them where you're frozen with emotion. There's this, I'm aware of the, both the deep pain that's welling up on the inside of me and also the sense of powerlessness that I have. I know in this moment that I need to hear and listen to God, but at the same time, there's this inability to talk to him that I confess. I don't know how to even be with you here right now in this pain. I don't know. I can't reconcile the despair in my heart and your presence right now. And in that moment, I just sensed the Lord invite me to read to him. And so I instinctively, immediately grabbed my Bible in front of me and I turned to John 15. I'm not really sure why I did so, but it just immediately felt like that was where I needed to go. And I turned to John 15 and I begin reading the whole entirety of that chapter 
Or I should really say I began like reading a couple verses and then weeping and then reading a couple verses and weeping. But I'm reading them as if I'm reading them directly right then and there in that moment to Jesus who's, seeing, who's seated there beside me. See, my heart needed Jesus to be that present. I needed him to be that close where I could read his words of truth, his words of life back to him and they could mean something in this particular moment. And as I did so, I, I changed a lot of the I's and made them use and the we's or the use and made them wheeze. But in this particular moment for clarity and simplicity, I'm gonna just read two verses from John 15. This is John 15, verse four and five. It says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. In my moment of, of agony, as I was sensing not just my own pain, but very much aware of the pain of my literal brother, the pain of others who look like me, and the questions that then would begin to come up, the disillusionment with, with Christ and the church that would begin to come up. And then I was also aware of just the hostility that would grow between both sides, both people groups, right? I was aware of the turmoil that was already taking place in the, in the, in the days that after his death and in the days coming. But in that moment, I heard the, the truth of Christ, him speaking to my heart, Gabrielle, it is impossible for you to not bear fruit if you remain in me. It is impossible for my church to not bear fruit if they remain in me. See, Christ's response and his command to remain in him is not to distract us away from the current and real pain of this world in this time, in our culture. But it's actually an invitation because it is the exact solution to the pain in this world and in our culture. He's not trying to turn our eyes away from it but he is directing our eyes towards him and our hearts towards him that we could experience that herein lies the hope. There will be fruitfulness. Christ's response to our pain is fruitfulness. It's a conversation about fruitfulness. Which begs the question, what is fruitfulness? What is this kind of fruitfulness that can be so potent, that can be so real and tangible, 
that it actually impacts the moments of our, great, of our, of our greatest despair. I know those moments, what I experienced in that prayer room, you may not have felt the weight and the depth of, 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 of hurt, of pain, of anger, of confusion as I felt on that day, but I know that you've been there. The, broke, the, the death of a child, the ending of a, of a, of a marriage, the, the loss of a job, the constant reality of, of poverty as you drive past certain areas, maybe even leaving this church, you're aware that there's pain. So to answer the question of what is fruitfulness and what is the, how does it, what, how is it providing hope to us? What does it look like? Belief can be found in, in the book of Ezekiel. See, in the book of Ezekiel, is writing to us from a place that is not distant and unaware of what it feels like to go through national chaos, to have the experience of um, communal trauma and pain, Ezekiel's actually quite aware with the, of these things. Israel's, Ezekiel's beginning to write to us from a place in which Israel is in. I mean, already the, the first wave of the exiles has happened, and Ezekiel's among them. There is for sure chaos and confusion, and people are wondering, okay, is this the end? Has, 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 has God completely left our side? Ezekiel is continuing to prophesy to them to the people of God, to Israel, to get their act together, to stop their idolatry, to stop the injustice that's going on among them. But their disobedience continues and the temple is destroyed. And chaos, pain. The question that I know that we can testify to having in these last several years is a, a scratch of the head and a, and a wonder of the heart. Where is God right now? What is our hope right now? We know that there is a soon, that there is an eternal hope that one day all things will be restored. But what is happening in the in-between? What is our hope here today now? In the context of this chaos, we come to Ezekiel 47 where he gets this, where we have this picture painted to us of this vision. This vision of a restored temple. And you, you read it earlier in the service, but not just the restored temple, but this spring that's bubbling up on the, on the, on, underneath the temple and it's turning into this trickle, which is turning into this raging river of life. And this raging river of life is going out far from the temple. It's going out into the world, but not just out into the world. You'll see in Ezekiel 47 that it's specifically going to the place most uninhabitable for life. The place where life cannot be sustained. That is where this living water is flowing to. 
That's where it's going, not just anywhere in the world, but the place where, that is literally called the Dead Sea because life doesn't live there, but it does when this living water hits it. I had last year, I, had, um, I was walking around uh, the Kamal Springs in Landa Park and I couldn't help but notice how, because of that spring that is there, how teeming with life it is. And you have all these um, signs that are talking about the rich biodiversity that is present near a spring. And I mean, come on, a whole city has been developed around the Kamau Springs. Why? Because people gather to a place that can sustain life. I'm gonna tell you today that you live as, as Pastor Mitchell testified to earlier today in the reading of the word, you have that source living on it up in the inside of you. That power, that transformational power that happens, it comes because of the spirit of God, the living water of God being up on the inside of you is available and you have access to it. You live from it. If you've accepted Christ to be your savior, if you've accepted him to be the one who is your Lord and you've confessed your sins to him, then in that moment, you've been, you've been endowed with the spirit of the living God that wells up on the inside of you. And now when you walk, when you go out into the world, when you step in places, signs of death don't terrify you. Chaos in the street doesn't terrify you. Questions of people who are asking about what, is, what does it mean to, for the church to be a part of establishing the Lord's justice in the earth even today doesn't scare you because you know that you're walking with the living water. Power and, a bit, and, and, and the ability to bring transformation. To literally break the cycle of death and to start a cycle of renewal. In Ezekiel 47, verse 12, the guy that is leading Ezekiel in this vision draws his attention to what's happening, what's following behind the river of life. He says, and on the banks, on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be, there, will be for food and their leaves for healing. Remember Ezekiel? writing to a people who only see death and destruction right now, writing to a people who may have just lost their brother, writing to a people who may not have food to eat right now, writing to a people who are wondering where is their God right now. He's pointing to this hope, this sign of restoration that would come to the people of God. And for us, this is pointing to the restoration that, yes, will one day come when Christ renews and restores all things, but also to 
speaking to us of what we get to actively participate in with Christ now even. Fruitfulness. The kind of fruitfulness that bears more fruit. It says there are all kinds of trees here. There's a rich diversity here. And when these trees grow fruit, when they bear fruit, it's not just any kind of fruit. It's fruit with seed in it. It's fruit that literally has the power to, to produce more fruit. Do you know that that's what's inside of you? Believe that what the Lord is inviting us into in this moment, even just so stirred by just the reality that after this, we participate in communion, right? And I think that there are some in this room that may be in a moment where they're asking the Lord to speak to their desperation, to speak to their pain, their despair. Maybe in their personal life, because there's a, a child who's struggling. Or because they too are wrestling with questions about the Lord's goodness in light of the pain and trauma in our world, whether that be their own or the communal trauma that is happening to a people that look like you or a people who do not look like you. And you're wrestling with God. For whatever reason, you find yourself in this moment feeling hopeless and despair. And the truth of this word, of what fruitfulness, of fruitfulness, the promise of fruitfulness for you, is Christ saying that I see it. And I'm responding to it. And it's not just a response that will come in the future, in future, in future glory and restoration of the earth, but it's also a promise that's saying, no, you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. No, you will see him responding to your pain now. But then there's others of us in this room where the invitation of God is not because we're in a moment of despair, but it's because it's your participation in this word that actually meets the pain of another who's crying out asking, Lord, I need to see fruitfulness. For you, the question to God right now may be, Christ, what is my first fruit offering? Because you are a kind of first fruit. You are the type of fruit that does not fail. It is from your life that there is more fruitfulness that can bear from it. The kind of fruitfulness, I love that this, the same word that's used here when it's saying that there, that there will bear fresh fruit every month is the same type of word that's used in Isaiah 61 when it talks about the, that they shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. That's what can come from your life. A type of fruit where it is undoing the works of the devil. A type of fruit where that which, was, that which was going on before, where there was once death, destruction, death, destruction, addiction, this cycle of depression, this cycle of pain, this cycle of trauma, your life, from your life could come forth a renewal that disrupts the cycle. And so for you, the Lord is inviting you into asking the question, Christ, how can I give up a first fruit? What is my first fruit today? I don't know what that is. That's a question for you to wrestle and answer with him. I know some of the beautiful things that I've witnessed in this last year is I've seen people 
respond to the needs of their employees in secret in ways that have disrupted generational poverty in that family. I've seen in words of encouragement go out, I've seen people step out of their bubble of their circle in their neighborhood and their spaces and just make a friend with someone else and somehow there was this type of fruitfulness there. that disrupted the cycle of pain and despair. And it set them up to recognize that Christ was not, had not drawn a blind eye to their pain, but he was present to it. So I just think it's, worth, it's a worthy thing to even as you come to the communion table to ask the Lord the beauty of us all being connected to this one vine this one vine, this one place, means that there is a communal inheritance, there's a sharing in both being a bearing of fruit and responding to, and, 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 and being those who wait for the fruit to bear, that it would respond to their despair. Not trying to rhyme there, but it happened. Um, and then also being the people of God that participate in the, in the continual offering of giving fruit setting it before Christ and believing that it would disrupt something far beyond them. That it, because the living water is inside of them and is so drawn to places of darkness, that then we are actually enabled with the power to walk out and be fruitful in those spaces. The work that God wants to do in you is connected to someone's pain. It is. And the work that Christ is doing in the person next to you or the person in the church across the, the tracks is connected and it is a direct answer to the cry of your heart right now if you're in pain. It's a communion table. It's a fellowship that we have the joy and privilege of witnessing so that they would know that Christ is king. In Jesus' name, amen.